0: morning. Who's thankful for the truth behind communion? I hope you are. All right, so this morning, All In Sunday. All In was a a phrase that became awfully popular around here, right, in northeastern Ohio, as the phrase attached itself to a certain team up on the lake, following them throughout an entire season and to an NBA championship. All In became pretty popular. In fact, up here on the screen, this was the uh, official playoff logo for the Cleveland Cavs. All In 216. All In area code 216. All In 216 wins to win an NBA championship. So All In is a phrase that we are attached to, but why don't we just kind of define that here real quick. I want to hear from you guys. What does it mean to be All In? fully committed. Is that it? (laughs) Go ahead. Fully surrendered, fully committed. No excuses. Nice. Anybody else? Sold out, right? We're sitting there talking about all in, and it was interesting, Jim Jones on the, Jim Jones on the radio would, would often say this at the end, especially when the Cavs were struggling in the radio broadcast, and he talked to Mike Snyder, who was a broadcast host, and he'd go, Mike, I got one question for you. Are you still all in? Are you still all in? Are you still fully committed? And this morning with that title, All In Sunday, there's two parts. The first part, you've already been exposed to. That first part, Kaylen Hurley shared with you what her kind of vision and dream was for this morning. It's the whole idea of how do the teens come together to physically represent the fact that they're all in to serve Freshwater Community Church and they're all in to serve with Freshwater Community Church. See, the teens want you to know that they are not just a part of a ministry of Freshwater Community Church, but they're a part of the ministry of Freshwater Community Church. Do you guys see that? There's a subtle difference. We're just changing an A to a the, right? But the the meaning is drastically different. They're not just a part of the youth ministry. They're part of the ministry here at Freshwater Community Church. And that leads to the second part and where I want to spend some time here this morning. That second part is I want us to ask ask ourselves individually and corporately here this morning, being brutally honest with ourselves, ask ourselves this question. When it comes to the children and youth at Freshwater Community Church, are we all in as a freshwater family? Are we truly all in as a freshwater family? And I know your initial response to that would be, absolutely. Right, right, Len, we are totally in. Nobody here is going to sit there and go, we don't care about kids, we don't care about teens, right? Just get them out of the service, just let us do our own thing. Nobody would say that. There might be a few here this morning, though, families getting here today, right, a little struggle in the car, getting out the door, and you were tempted to kind of go, yeah, no kids, right, no teens, I don't know what happens on Sunday morning, but it happens, doesn't it? Trying to come in. But nobody's going to say that. You're going to say, well, of course we love teens. Of course we love children. I mean, look at all the teens and children that we have here. They're welcome here. We want to have them here. They're really important to us. If you don't believe it, check out the layout of the building. Right, we've got this room in here and then we've got the children's ministry over there, the children's wing. Nice big rooms, nice big hallways. So of course, we think that they're important or we wouldn't have designed the building the way that we did. Some of you might say, well, of course they're valuable. They got to be valuable. We've hired a youth pastor. We've hired a children's director. We've hired an assistant to the children's director. They have a ministry. We give them a budget. Of course they're valuable to us. Go, do your thing. Be a ministry. Have fun. But let's drill, dil, let's see, let's, let's drill. It's hard to say. Let's drill down just a little bit more on that. Let's, let's go below, below the surface just a little bit more. And maybe instead of asking, are the teens valuable and important here this morning... Ask ourselves the question, how valuable and how important? And why are they so valuable? And why are they so important? Do we truly believe that children's ministry and youth ministry is just as important as adult ministry? Do we truly believe that the teens and the youth that are in here are just as important as anyone else in the room and those that we're trying to reach? Do we truly believe that what happens here on Sunday morning or there on Sunday morning is just as important as what happens in here on Sunday morning? Do we truly believe that the God who shows up here on Sunday morning and His presence and His power and His love and His forgiveness and His His conviction is the same God who meets over there and wants to do the same thing with our kids? Do we believe that? Do we truly believe that? Because if we do truly believe that, I believe that there would be actions that would follow that. We would see if that was our belief, then actions would follow. We would see things like in the ministries, the youth and the children's ministry, we would see uh, um, adults who would be lining up to serve in those two ministries. We would also see uh, adults that would have kind of an attitude to sit there and go, you know what, when, when, when we talk about fresh water, it's about doing ministry with the children and the youth of fresh water. It's not doing ministry for and to. It's actually doing ministry with and through. And if we truly believe that too, we would have adults besides just leaders that are pursuing teenagers and kids in their hearts and inviting them into your faith journey and challenging them with their faith journey. Sharing what you know, being challenged with them and pursuing and saying, who are you and what's going on? I believe that if we were truly in, we would see some of those changes. And what's so interesting is, is there is a subtle shift that takes place. I can't explain it, but I've seen it in this church. I've seen it at at the church that I was at before. I've seen it talking to other children's directors and pastors and other youth pastors as well. There's this sudden shift that happens to where we sit there and we say that they're extremely important. But we just kind of drift away from that. Like I said, I don't know exactly how it happens, but it happens. John Stumbo, who's the president of our denomination, at general council 2015, he was talking about the mandate to reach people. And this is John Stumbo, the president of our denomination. Alliance family, I want you to hear me say this. Too often, the Alliance family has looked right over the top of wheelchairs and anybody under four and a half feet tall. Certain sectors of society can become invisible the disabled and children are just two examples. That's the president of our denomination. I've seen this played out personally in my own life. Not only do I struggle with it as well, that sometimes I get stuck in this thing going, okay, I'm the youth pastor, so I'm doing you know, ministry four and two, four and two, four and two, the teens. I see it in my own heart as it just kind of goes that I don't necessarily see going, I'm doing ministry with. And I'm seeing ministry through instead of two and four. I've seen this happen with me too very early on. I came into youth ministry. This is like second career, if you want to call it. I was a social worker beforehand. Conversations go something like this So, what do you do? Well, I'm a youth pastor. Really? How old are you? Really? Followed up with, well, Don't you have like an aspiration or a desire to become a senior pastor? Don't you want to become an adult pastor? And underneath that, and they're not trying to be rude, and I don't take offense to it. They're not trying to zing me, but basically what's behind that, when you have a conversation, I'd say 80% of the times when I have this conversation, what's behind that is, haven't you outgrown youth ministry yet? Haven't you become a good enough pastor yet? Don't you know enough yet, right? Haven't you practiced enough in youth ministry to make sure that now you can graduate and be promoted to work with adults? That's actually behind that question. And again, they're not trying to be rude, but it's that shift that takes place as we seem to forget the children and the teens, It is so weird. In fact, in youth ministry world, those of us that have been in youth ministry for a long period of time, when God calls a youth pastor to an adult pastor position, we say they've been demoted. He said, oh yeah, welcome to the demotion. Have fun working with adults. So I want to say this up front because I I walk this tightrope up here between what I'm hoping to do an angry youth pastor rant, okay? i just be honest, just want to be transparent that this is not a youth pastor rant. It's not that the teens are going to be picking up front, you know, equal ministry, equal ministry, equal ministry. Church shuts down if we're not here. We're going on strike. None of that stuff. Beth Falkenberg is children's director. My sister Monique Hurley is her assistant. They're not sitting there hiring me to go, you got to get us more workers, Hammer them, we got to get more people in. There's this urgent plea to make sure that you join. And there's definitely room for a lot more people to help. But we found that doesn't work. The urgent plea doesn't work because some people will come, but they don't stay. What I'm hoping to do this morning and what my heart is and my prayer is for this morning is to challenge you to think. Think. The challenge to think about, as Sean talked about, do you remember in July he was talking about the community series? You guys remember that? Community and the illustration was around the table, right? I want us to see this morning as we're all around the table, we're a family, and I want to challenge us and to get us to think again, are the children around the table with us or are they in another room? Are the children around the table, or are they part of the discussion? And to ask ourselves again this question: when it comes to children and youth at Freshwater Community Church, are we all in as a freshwater family? So, Beth was up here, and you could see her passion right for children's ministry hopefully you hear my passion when I'm up here talking about things if we're talking out there we talk on the phone or I run into you in the community hopefully you see the passion that I have as well God's wired us that way and that's our ministry and we can talk about the importance of children and youth but just don't take our word for it check out this video All right, so what's something that you saw that was shocking to you? Was there anything on there that was shocking to you? Most didn't list their top three okay, most churches didn't list top three children's ministry. What else? Set by their, in their belief by the age of 13. I'd like to add to that video, basically then in youth ministry, what happens in youth ministry is that set belief comes into this screeching collide with life and experience. So what we do in youth ministry is to try to help them navigate through what I believe and what I'm experiencing, and is what I'm experiencing the real deal or is what I believe the real deal, because we've got to figure that out. Good, what else? else? Anybody else? Children like sponges. Absolutely. It's good. One more thing. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Thanks, Kurt. That's good because we're going to go right into the quote here that kind of, doesn't say that, but that's a good paraphrase. George Barna, who was listed in that video, he's a researcher and he said this, and, and keep in mind, when I say this, again, I am not saying there's anything wrong with adult ministry. I love adult ministry. I love Sean. Adult ministry should be there. But listen to what George, George Barna said from all of his research. What we typically find is that ministry to adults is more of a maintenance ministry. That's okay and doesn't mean that we get rid of it. It just means that we need to be realistic about what we are trying to achieve and likely to achieve. The Holy Spirit can do anything to anybody, anytime, and in any space, no question about that. But when we look at all the data and trend lines, it pauses us to say that we ought to consider shifting our resource base from those areas of maintenance to those areas where we can literally change a world within a generation. If we heavenly invested in ministry and children and preparing them for the kind of world that they will face, it really could change the world in ways that none of us has seen in our lifetime so again nothing against adult ministry but also looking is children and youth ministry important it's very important and the children and the teens that are here you guys are very important not only would I say it best say it not only would research say it I have this mug that's in my office and I believe I got this mug from a yard sale I love the quote on it, but I, I was looking at the bottom, and it was the Geneva Declaration of the Rights of, Chil- of, of a Child in 1924. So I looked that up. I've never really looked it up before, but I'm like, what? what exactly is this? And this is what I found. It said, the Declaration of Rights of a Child, sometimes known as the Geneva Declaration of Rights of a Child, is an international document promoting ch- child rights. It was adopted by the League of Nations General Assembly November 26, 1924 as the World Child Welfare Charter and was the first human rights document approved by an intergovernmental institution. It was reaffirmed by the League of Nations in 1934. Heads of state and government pledged to incorporate its principle in domestic legislation. In France, it was ordered to be displayed in every school. It was adopted in an extended form in the United Nations in 1959. This is what it says on my mug. Mankind owes to the child the best it has to give. The nations got together and looked at children and said collectively, Mankind owes to the child the best it has to give. Not only Beth and I, not only research, not only researchers, not only the nations, but let's talk about a great American evangelist. How many people are familiar with D.L. Moody? Okay, several of you. This is really all you need to know right now for this next quote. D.L. Moody, uh, an incredible pastor and evangelist that God was all over and used in powerful ways in the 1800s. He brought hundreds and thousands of people to Christ, discipled them, and sent them off to do kingdom work. D.L. Moody, Moody Bible Institute, is named after him. And when you think the magnitude of how God used him to think that this man would say this um, at some point in his life would just blew my mind. Listen to this quote. If I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. I would devote my entire ministry not a part of my ministry, not a couple of years, not do better in my ministry to children. He said my entire ministry to reaching children for God. What about Dr. Charles Everett Koop? Does that ring a bell with anyone, Dr. Koop? Some people, a little less hands on that one. Okay, Surgeon General under Ronald Reagan. 1982 to 1989, I believe. And the reason that I bring that up is because the Associated Press would say that Dr. Coop was the only Surgeon General that actually became a household name during that time because of him talking and the stance on things and, and just with the Reagan administration. They would say that he was the most popular, that a lot of families knew who he was. So what would a Surgeon General, what would a plastic or a, 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 um, a pediatric surgeon And Surgeon General, what would he have to say? Listen to this. Life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. Life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. Do we believe that? Do we truly believe that, or does it get lost somewhere? John Stumbo, again, let's look at the president again of our denomination. This was at general council as well in 2015. Now, he's the head of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is uh, the denomination that this church is a part of, not only here in the United States but around the world. This is what he said talking about the mandate. The first mandate was on reaching. This is the mandate on actually launching. And listen to his words. He says, we need to launch a new expression of multi-generational ministry where we change the expression of children's and youth ministry from to and for them to with and through them. Not to and for, but with and through. And you're seeing that here this morning. You get that? It's happening. Kaylin, Kaylin had this idea of what we could do. Not only did Kaylin have this idea, but Kaylin was, was instrumental in making today happen. The teens were instrumental to go, oh yeah, we're in. We're in because we're part of the ministry. And guys, this is, this is great for me because if I wasn't looking at doing ministry with these guys, I would be totally freaked out about today. Because if I had the attitude that it was two and four, I'd be like, how's the worship team going to sound? How's communion going to be pulled off? What's going to happen? What's all the ins and outs? What's going to, and it was wonderful. I was aware of what was going on, but I wasn't responsible. And I wasn't freaking out. Because God calls me to do ministry with and to watch him do ministry through young people. The worship team that you saw up here, they haven't been playing that long together. Three times before a retreat in September, then this large break until we found out that this was gonna be all in Sunday and then they had three practices. That's what happens when God gifts young people and they're able to use their gifts and to come together and to bless the community in that way. Also, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but on any given Sunday morning, half of the workers right next door our fifth grade on up through 12th grade. Over half, the young people in this church outnumber the adults on a Sunday morning. We've got a couple of classes that are run by teenagers only. There's no adult in the room. They are running it. Beth told me that there are 14 of them that actually do double duty over there to where they have one responsibility in children's ministry and another responsibility, 14 of them. What would happen if that part of the body just decided... It's all about youth ministry. We're done. Beth, how would that feel if you woke up and you got a voicemail from over half of your team on a Sunday morning going, we're done, we're out? Not good. Not good at all. Over half. See at the poll that was referenced. See at the poll is this national event where students get, it's student run, they get around their poll at their public schools before school in the morning, praying in front of their friends, in front of their uh, administration for the community, um, for their school, for the state, for the nation. And you know, three of those, around three of those polls, it was led by freshwater teens. And more than that was organized as some of our teens and middle schoolers went to the school administration to let them know this was coming. That means that God was using the young people from Freshwater to be in front of their peers early on a Wednesday morning praying for their schools, their community, their state, and the nation. God's using young people. We're doing ministry with them, and we're, doing, and we're seeing God do ministry through them. Teens have begun attending the river on Wednesday nights. Scott's been talking about the prayer. The river is all about prayer. We have teens that are attending the river now on Wednesday night. First priority is a, I'm gonna call it a, a Christian club. I'm not sure exactly what the, um, the, the term is, but first priority was at the high school. It was a Christian ministry that met in the morning as well, and it, it died out. And there was a teenager, actually it's graduated now, that came to me and said, that shouldn't be. We've gotta figure out how to get first priority going again. And her and a couple of other teams here got that thing jump-started again. And over, I would say over half, Is that fair? Is attended by freshwater teens? Over half of them, and basically it's being run by freshwater teens. See, God is using them. Just like we as adults are called to partner with God on where he has planted us for his kingdom, our young people are doing the same thing on where God has placed them. And it's just as important. Yes, teens and children are the church of tomorrow, but they are also the church of today. We often forget the church of today part which means we miss what they have to offer and their importance and what God is wanting to do. Now, all of that stuff that we would talk about, that's extremely, um, could be important, but most importantly, let's see what Jesus has to say. When we go to Mark chapter 10, if you want to turn to Mark chapter 10, you can. If you want to go to Psalm 78, we're going to end there. Mark chapter 10 Verse 13 it says, "And they were bringing children to him, because Jesus, I guess I should say this too, there's not a lot of references in the Bible of Jesus interacting with children, but when those references are there, we see how important they are. When He makes reference to them and making the, the connection with faith, we see how important they are to Jesus. Now look at this passage, and when they were bringing. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. Why did the disciples rebuke him? Why did it happen? Somebody. What's that? Jesus was too important. There was too much going on, right, to bother with kids. Right? Subtle. That subtle change. The disciples would have said, "Oh, oh man, this is, this is awesome. Look at all the kids. Look at all the people that are around Jesus. Look, the kids are waving to Jesus. Look, the, the kids are all excited about Jesus. Look, the kids get to watch their adults praise and worship Jesus. Isn't this wonderful? But don't let them get close to Jesus. Jesus has got other things to do. There's adults in the ministry that, in the ministry that he needs to attend to. Then look at this, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Jesus was not happy. He was indignant, and he said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Guys, when Jesus saw the children, not only did he stop what he was doing, he called them. Not only did he call them to his side, he also touched them. He hugged them. I could see him picking them up and putting them on his lap. And not only did he do that, he blessed them. He said, no, guys, my ministry isn't so important. It's only to the adults. My ministry is to the children as well. And not only that way, for teenagers, how important are teenagers to God? I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's a lot of people, including myself, that believe that the disciples were teenagers themselves. There's a couple of different places in the Bible that you can look to, but probably the biggest one is in Matthew 17. Maybe some of you guys know the story. Jesus and and Peter are kind of confronted with the temple tax. And we find in Exodus chapter 30 that the only people that are required to pay the temple tax of the disciples that were there, the only ones that are required are those 20 years old and older. Jesus sends Peter down to the water. He catches a fish in the fish. He pulls out the, the money and he goes and he pays for Peter and Jesus. It doesn't say that he paid for the rest of the disciples. So is it possible that the rest of the disciples were teenagers? That he trusted teenagers enough in his power to turn them loose, to turn the world upside down? Let's look at Psalm 78. Psalm 78. The psalmist says, Give ear, O my people, in my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. He says, listen up, I'm about to tell you something really important. He says, I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. The psalmist says, look, we're not going to hide this stuff from children. We're not going to hide this stuff from teens. We're going we're to connect with these people, and we're going to tell them who God is and what God has done and what God wants to do. We're going to invite them into our faith journey. We're going to invite them into what we know. It goes on to say, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments as we pass on the baton of faith when we invest in children we invest in youth it's not just for this generation it's the generations that come do you guys get that? Like when you're influencing the next generation, you're actually influencing the generation that hasn't even been born yet. How important is that? As God's kingdom continues to move on and on and on and on as we pass this on to the generation behind us, it's so important we are influencing not only this generation but the next and it goes on to say this and I thought this was interesting and that they should not be like their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation whose hearts was not steadfast whose spirit was not faithful to God the passage implies like the next generation could be a whole lot greater in their faith than the generation before do we believe that? Do we believe that our kids could go way further than we ever have gone? Do we believe that our kids could see God move in ways that we could never imagine and dream? Could we believe that our, our great-great-great-grandkids that we will never ever see, that God could get a hold of them because of the influence that we are having today with this generation? Do we believe that? When you look at the revivals that start, a lot of the revivals that happen, they happen that started within young people. And guys, I'll let you in. I didn't share this on the, in the first service, but I'll let you in on a little secret. I have this prayer, and, and I've told the teens about this a little bit. I have this prayer that the teens would actually set the spiritual temperature of the church. That the teens would be so on fire for Jesus that it would make us uncomfortable. That they'd be so on fire for Jesus, it would challenge us. It'd be so on fire for Jesus that it would encourage us to go, look, and we want to partner with what God's doing. So with all of that said, for those of you that are part of the ministry, I want to thank you. I I want to thank you. On a Sunday morning right next door, we have over 100 children who come through those doors. Beth told me she's got over 320 kids in her database right now. Over 100 that come in there. On Sunday night, we're approaching 100 for those of you that have partnered in the ministry and what God wants to do, thank you so much. What you do is so important and I know that it's hard and I know that it's tough and there's times where you've had that busy week and you're going, oh, not little kids again, not snot again, not, you know, whatever it is that you think about, not this or teens, oh, they, oh I don't know if I could deal with it. When you get those whispers like, I don't know, I don't know if I can keep doing this, I want you to know keep doing it because it's very important. It's very, very important. And for the families who have people that serve in those ministries, thank you. We want to recognize you this morning and thank you as well because you do the things at home that allow them to serve, that free them up to serve. So for families, thank you. And the young people in this room too, if your mom or dad serves or a family member that serves, I want to thank you as well. I want to thank you for sharing your mom and your dad or your grandma or an aunt and uncle with other kids, because what they're doing is extremely important. So what about the rest of us? How might we be able to partner? I'll just go through this quickly. What, what does it look like? Everybody isn't wired to be in youth ministry and children's ministry. I'm not saying that. There's some people that should not work in children's ministry and should not work in youth ministry. But I want to at least challenge us, at least challenge us to consider what God might want. So how could you partner with us? The first one is, is to pray. Man, pray for the ministry. Pray for volunteers. Pray for the teens that they would be bold. Pray for the kids that they would be transformed in the image of Christ, that they would find their identity in him and that God would use them and the ministry would move to a movement. And we'd see some incredible things happen here, not only within the freshwater, but in the community and their generation at large. The other thing, too, is invest in what the needs might be in the ministry and then pray to see if personally you're supposed to fulfill them. Guys, I know volunteering's tough, and I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't do. Sure, I get paid to do this, but I really get paid to do X amount of hours a week, which means everything over those hours, I volunteer. So I'm volunteering in youth ministry as well every week. So is God calling you to go, you know what? This is something that I want you to do. The other thing that you can do is encourage and get to know our young people. Take time to pursue their hearts and include them in things. Let them know that they're important to Jesus and they're important to you and they're important to the body. Support by tithing and giving to the church. This may seem like an odd one, and I'll just say this one quickly. We, we have a budget that we operate on, and basically that budget is just that. If the money's not there, then we don't spend it. It's just a projection at the beginning of the year to say, okay, this is what we're hoping to do in the ministry. This is the funds that we're going to need. And more years than not since I've been here, the summertime really starts to drop. And then in fall, it starts picking up, but it's really slow. And what happens is, is we have a conversation as staff to go, okay, we're behind in the general budget. So we need to be careful in spending. And sometimes we've even froze our spending. Now, I'm not saying this, that the church is in trouble financially. That's not what I'm saying. We're totally fine. But we're good stewards of our money. So if we look and the budget looks like this is how much we need, but there's going to be a shortfall this year, then we stop things. And what ends up happening is God then provides all that money. It's unbelievable, but it comes in in November and December. And by that time, the year's over and we've frozen our budget. And then we start again in January. So the whole idea of giving to the ministry, you're investing that way as well. And then last, to recruit others. In your community groups, when you're getting to know other people, if you see that teenagers or kids, they seem to be real comfortable, there seems to be a connection, there seems to be a love and a concern for them, encourage them to come talk to the ministry or let us know so that we can make a phone call and say, let's sit down. Let's have some coffee and talk about the ministries. So there's some ways that you can partner with us. It is impossible, Beth had already shared, it is impossible for us to do the job because it is God's ministry. It's impossible for us to do it individually and God's doing amazing things. But the big question is, is what might God want to do if there were more? If there were more people and more resources, what might God want to do? So when it comes to children and youth. Freshwater Community Church, are we all in as a Freshwater family? If the worship team could come up and I